this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain. All I know is that it ends with me very nearly being killed and that it may not be entirely unrelated to some of the strange things that seem to be happening lately. If there's any truth in the odd fragments of memory that I just can't seem to shake, well, there are things you deserve to know. Things that may help you to understand what's going on, and what's coming. We left our hero in hot pursuit of Samantha Braden's killer. Well, sort of. At the very least, we left him well-fed, highly caffeinated, and determined to move mountains in his search for something, anything, that might start to unravel the gruesome and impenetrable mystery. And, mirabile dictu, it looks as if the poor fool may just stumble onto something after all. For this is Day Four, Part Five, A Clue with a View. It is the fourth day of the return to Altergate. The time and place of writing is around nine o'clock in the evening, in the Arkwell Privy Library, atop the manse of the Vice-Chancellor. We begin. Hello again. Hark Farad, indeed. Tally-ho, self old boy. The game's afoot. Ah, but are you Holmes or Henry? Either way, ten tivy with bells on. You've got a clue, a right, real, and proper one, and it's just the sweetest little clue you ever did see. It's subtle, it's sinister, and... Best of all, it's the sort of thing that you can, in good conscience, withhold from Standish and the C.I.D. Yes. You'll have to tread carefully now. It's no help finally knowing your prey if you spook it into bolting. To start with... No. No, by the book, self, by the book. And first, best say hello to Mr. Deadman. 
Since he's a habit you'll have for the rest of your life, you may as well get used to him. <sighs> bah. Well, now you've done it. Couldn't fire up sibling without just taking Voxen's pulse, and it's throbbing away fit to rupture. What a popular boy you are, Adrian. But no, you're not even going to think about them right now. Let them churn. You've a journal to write. Start where you left off, in Kilbury's club. Yes, the blood letters. Yes, so you finished your coffee and your scribbling, and embarrassed yourself by trying to pay for lunch. Finally, you snuck out the back way to avoid any erstwhile underlings lingering in the lignum. Uh, bloody Kirk Bryce. At least he hasn't tried getting in touch yet. He won't do if he's got any decency. So you can expect him momentarily. To think he had the gall to name-check you in his bloody TED talk. White Knights of Wall Street, forsooth as if he knew a twisting thing about it. If he forwards you that video one more time. Ah. Oh, incidentally, you may want to make friends with a few more of these blood letters, if you get the chance. They can't all be of Prof K's caliber, but they know a thing or two. The back way out of the club was designed by a master escape artist. You wouldn't even have known it was there if you hadn't seen Kilbury shimmy thither between the potted palms. They've got a little box of those folding courtesy umbrellas by the back door, in case you left yours in the cloakroom and can't risk going back for it. And, most unexpected of amenities, there's even a patch of mobile connectivity towards the end of the corridor. Possibly an accident, but certainly not a secret. You had to turn sideways to squeeze past a rank of Dickensian gentlefolk checking their messages. Investigating the beep-a-deep that sang out from your own pocket, you found you'd got a voicemail, as well as the following text. Um, ah, this is in all caps, because Baz. Reschedule. Stomach ache. So sorry. We'll make it up to you. <laughs> Do the Germans have a word for the joy of finding that a meeting you'd forgotten entirely was cancelled after all? Seems like the sort of thing they might have. You'd been so relieved at having ducked Bryce that you'd forgotten all about the errand that put him in your path. Then, between Prof K and all the lovely calories, you'd had no thoughts to spare for old Baz. Hopefully everything's all right. You don't believe that rot about her stomach. She's cast iron inside, always has been. Anyhow, she wouldn't have a qualm about letting you buy her a four-figure lunch at Rhodes House, even if she knew she'd be seeing it again within the hour. No, the only thing that Baz allows to interfere with business is other business. Something more important must have come up. Something worth faking her own death over. Hmm... Not everybody's a malingerer, however. Uh, you're inclined to give your chief constable the benefit of the doubt. That voicemail was from Standish, saying he would be at Weatherby most of the day. 
However, he had forwarded your requested list of Sammy's known associates, and would be at your disposal after five o'clock, if you wish to discuss the investigation further. Well, of course you couldn't wait to dig in. There, in the bloodletter's back corridor, you tucked yourself between a pair of stately stern old cotters and pulled up your email. You really spoiled yourself with sibling, you know. Having to wait for data to transfer seems so passé. Still, safety third, but stupid last. You can't go whipping her out willy-nilly when you're cheek by jowl with total strangers. <laughs> Emails. <sighs> so many, many undeserved congratulations from so many, many pals you've never met. You did a bit of subject-line skimming, and banished many a nascent friendship to the to-be-read folder from which no man hath returned. Hung on to a few notes from Baz about the ceremony. Also one from Unique. Haven't opened that one yet, either, saving it for a moment when you've time and mood to savor it. She must have heard about your appointment somehow. Or it may just be her quarterly wish you were here from whatever blighted waste she's wasting her sweetness on at the moment. Oh, and to round things out, you got an email from Sammy. Even from beyond the veil, she's still a wizard at circumventing your spam filter. Although, if her CRMs were properly integrated, they'd know that you'd already purchased the Banshee generation. In hard and soft cover, no less and electronically. Yes, right, the file. Standish had delivered as promised. You didn't know quite what to expect, but found yourself disappointed nonetheless. You'd hoped for a little black book. What you got was more like an org chart. The Aldisher CID's case notes tell you all you could hope to learn about those to whom Sammy might have turned for administrative support or to report a safety incident on university property. They tell you nothing, however, about whom she might have been conspiring with, blackmailing, shagging, or getting butchered by. So, where did that leave you? <sighs> where indeed? You were lost in that very question when you stepped out through the back door, and very nearly into the suite hereafter. The covered passage that serves the tradesman's dock of the Lignum Arms is wide enough for delivery vans, rubbish bins, and so forth. It's not quite wide enough, however, to accommodate both the 51st Vice-Chancellor of Aldergate University and the Rolls-Royce Cloudesk that nearly cleared the way for number 52. Fortunately, you are renowned for your lightning reflexes. Or, if you weren't before, you ought to be now. You flung yourself back against the bricks as a silvered wing mirror clipped the Westershot's hand-ticked hem. The Scarlet Cloudesk, a glossy old monster constructed along the lines of a Greek temple, murmured to a halt alongside you. The rear window slid. A pink-eyed, hatchet-faced old gent with a bandaged cheek leered roguishly out at you. What's this? Taking the coward's way out, you little pansy, he croaked. That's no way to do it. 
If you're going to off yourself, you want to take the fuckers down with you. Your new friend brayed with laughter at this pleasantry. Heck, heck, heck. Heck, 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 heck. This turned into a bout of coughing. He crammed a hanky over his mouth, and the rolls rolled on. So, a near thing, but life does indeed go on. And there is something both clarifying and energizing about nearly getting wound round an axle. The adrenaline subsided, but the urge to fight or flee did not. You've been a bit aimless since your return to Aldergate. Understandable, of course, but you're the sort of chap that doesn't thrive without a brass ring to reach for. Vice-Chancelloring isn't likely to offer much in the way of opportunities for la chasse, and for the moment at least Midwinter Hill dangles cruelly beyond your reach. So you've settled on Sammy's investigation, but you've got to do it your way, or there's no point in bothering. No more of this half-measures business. You are not Adrian Ward, boy detective. You're Adrian Bloody Ward. You will have answers. Right then. Sammy's legs were found at Gambrel. Sammy's office was in Gambrel. If your active theory is correct, Sammy came to Aldergate because of person or persons unknown. And if the Gambrel connection isn't Sammy's, and it isn't, then it must be theirs. Well then, off to Gambrel. You were abuzz with investigative energy as you stepped out onto Museum Square. Did there used to be a greenhouse on the roof of the Aldergate Museum? There's one there now, a sort of shiny domed affair popping out at the top of the grand old monastery's gothic silhouette. Not relevant. You ignored it, and headed west on Witch Street. Hmm. Why Gambrel? This much can be assumed. Whoever Sammy came for, they must be pretty hot stuff. Why didn't they make a break for Midwinter Hill to join the great leap into fully integrated science? Just unsociable? Or working in some niche so tight and obscure that there's no adjacent research for them to leverage? That's hard to believe, but it might explain Sammy's interest. The afternoon was on its last legs. The sky had clouded up, so there was no November sunshine to side with you against the November breeze. You began to mourn the loss of your Chesterfield. You know, you really ought to get yourself one of those great stitchy coats you've seen about. They seem to be all the rage with the students, all-encompassing hooded things with pockets and loops and straps all over. Got a sort of homemade look to them, the kind of rugged aesthetic yours pay three times as much for. Not your usual look, but they must be pretty cosy. You passed a chap who had his flapping open and only a pair of orange Y-fronts on underneath. <laughs> so, what's Sammy's mystery scientist working on that keeps them at triple E? Is there anything the obelisks have got that Midwinter Hill hasn't? Not really. Not in terms of instrumentation, facilities, data infrastructure, not that you're aware of, at least. 
Triple E is still humming like a hive, but these days it mostly supports the less aggressive staff, or projects without many cross-disciplinary elements. That couldn't describe Lapdaemon, or any of its likely descendants. Had Sammy downgraded her ambitions? <laughs> ah, priceless, tell another. Trotting westward on Witch Street, towards the pale arch of the Doorway of Ghosts, you reminded yourself of old Kilbury's reason for keeping out of the mystery. Well, if you can't see any logical reason for what you know to be true, the fault's not in the logic, but in the seeing. So, you just had to see what you could see, what? You had rather a shivery conversation with your friend, the informative porter, and he was informative yet again, though he could have been quicker about it, him and his little heated booth. Still, you were a good sport, and it didn't quite kill you, and it did net you the number of Sammy's office in the West Tower of Triple E. Thither you proceeded. It was the first time you'd been inside Triple E. Funny sense of contextual discontinuity, stepping off the red marble tiles and onto what used to be a sweet little quadrangle. Now it's the great glass elevator. And the first thing you noticed, as you punched the button for le septième étage, was that it goes down as far as it does up. Naturally. Oughtn't to have been surprised. Of course, you couldn't have the laboratories up there in the panopticon. Not suitable, and frankly, not safe. Wonder what they did with all the bedrock and muck that got excavated. Perhaps they dumped it on top of Mount Borehole. <laughs> They'd have had to roll over the dead bodies of the School of Geology to do it. Wonder if they're anywhere near finished cataloguing the rubble that awful old Georg Voskal pulled up in the 80s. They'd fight tooth and nail to stop anyone burying it again. What do you suppose the Society of Preservationists had to say about it? Now, now, don't sidetrack. Gambrel, Triple E, lift. Up to the seventh floor. No trouble finding Sammy's office. It's funny, crime scene tapes blue and white over here. You dithered for a moment daring yourself to duck under for a closer look, but, really, there was no need. Glass walls, glass door, and, well, nothing much inside to look at. And that was just as expected. Kilbury was right. After devoting her life to being difficult, Sammy would hardly have had the courtesy to leave drifts of love letters and death threats strewn about. Besides, if she had, they would already be among the known facts of the case. Nothing damning, nothing interesting. Just a disembodied monitor and a few trailing cords. The CID must have taken her alternate terminal. Can't think why, they'll never get inside, and Sammy wouldn't have used university property for anything interesting in any case. What else? A sleek, Swedish-looking corner desk or buffed steel and tempered glass, with discreet drawers that have never held files, and wide shelves that have never held books. A chair, black nylon mesh stretched over a chrome skeleton, 
adjustable to the nanometer with a snarl of levers and knobs, all still swathed in their foam-plastic wrappers. <sighs> Nothing. The door may have S. Braden on it, but that office is not where she was doing whatever she was doing. Sammy left marks on her environment. Those unstreaked walls had never been kicked in anger. Those sterile floors had never known that sedimentary deposit of books and papers and takeout boxes, husks discarded after being drained. No, Sammy didn't spend much time in her office, and she wasn't killed there either. If her ghost walks the halls of Triple E, it walks elsewhere. So, you set off to look for it. Quick exchange of vague nods with a pair of passing students in cleanroom scrubs, and you began to amble. Now, a layman, if such a thing existed in Altergate, might have observed your meanderings and said, This Adrian Ward wanders aimlessly, with neither goal nor guide. And that layman would have had a point. But, while you didn't know where you were going, or what you were looking for, you were sure, increasingly certain with every step you took, that you would know it when you found it. Your senses were twanging. The mill wheels of your brain spun, ravenous. No clue, however small, would get past you unrecognized. All right, then. On with the hunt. Sammy's office door opens onto an exterior corridor on the south face of the obelisk. Looking down upon the human traffic below her, she could have seen the very spot where her legs would eventually be discovered. The sun had nearly finished setting. A gentle tinkling drone floated in from the east, and you watched the musical egg rise from the battlements of Dolora College and sail through the twilight over the rooftops of Aldergate over Ockham and Newgrave, over the busy, buzzing hive of the student tenements around Lamp Street, rising and rising until it was lost in the darkening sky. You watched after it until its song lapsed into silence, and when you turned back to the corridor, you realized a novel visual effect. It's not just Sammy's office, most of the interior walls of Triple E are smart glass. In some places you can see right the way through, from one side of the tower to the other. Very pretty, very contemporary. But, of course, minds hard at work sometimes want a bit of privacy. Cloudy cubes suspended in the great crystal matrix indicate active occupancy. Empty offices like Sammy's, however, can be peeked into with no trouble at all. So, peek you did. You made your way down corridor after corridor. The contrast between these offices and that of S. Braden couldn't have been starker. Hopefully the Knights of St. Bernard keep an active schedule. Some of Triple E's inhabitants appear to be quite literally living in their offices. A spare suit on the back of the door is one thing, but you saw hot plates, toothbrushes, bedrolls even. And one or two of those white masks. 
You must ask Bears what that's all about. There's got to be something to it beyond amateur theatricals, and it's starting to wear on you. You're not zealously sentimental about the purity of the scientific mind, <laughs> you of all people, but you still felt vaguely offended by them. Something almost blasphemous in the pale thing's intrusion into the temple of reason, perching atop piles of texts, or hanging next to work-stained lab coats. Still, you kept your focus. Sammy wouldn't have had any truck with the masked ones, so you put them from your mind. You paced, you ambled, you peered and squinted. And yet your clue eluded you. Nothing clicked. You harked back to the old days for signs or suggestions. There, tucked away beneath a desk, are those running shoes of a size and style that might once have graced the feet now in the custody of Aldershire C.I.D.? Is that discarded tissue the tear-stained relic of one who has felt the wrath of Braden? Hmm. You found yourself once again feeling for the clockwork, channeling Alistair. Morbid? A bit, but the only way, really. Remember, all things know all things, and if you can't manage to stick the bits together yourself, you've got to give them the chance to do it for you. You slipped into the flow of Triple E, became one with the unseen office occupants, the clacking of whose keyboards filtered gently through the milked-over glass. You probably would have looked a perfect ass to any of the busy brains who bustled past you in the corridor, if any had paused to glance in your direction. But, of course, nobody did. Tunnel vision, eyes on the prize. Can't expect altercations to glance up from a trail mid-blaze. You certainly never did. Which is probably why so much of what you're seeing now seems new, even the bits that aren't. For you... For Sammy, for Bofax, Aldergate University was the matchless means to your exalted ends, and you only noticed the part you found immediately relevant. In short, you all kept your heads firmly wedged up your own asses, and the current crop of students seems to be carrying on the tradition. Makes them poor witnesses. Hmm. It also makes them useful tools to someone who knows how to channel that sort of obsession. Someone like Sammy. She came in, just here. She gathered her little flock of chosen ones, just so. Rubbed the hands together thus, and now the shining strands of a few carefully picked minds are woven into a tight braid all without their noticing that they don't quite belong to themselves anymore. And suddenly the engine of progress has kicked into overdrive. Or not. Perhaps she succeeded, perhaps she failed. Either way, she left her mark in trying. Somewhere. Somewhere. When at last you found it, you almost didn't notice. Straining your ears for a whisper, the marching band nearly passed you by. 
Inside office number plus 7922W, you noted the ceramic pyramid of unwashed coffee mugs. You considered whether the cold dregs might type-match Sammy's black and two sugars. Some papers on the floor. Not many, but some. You craned to inspect the abstract doodle on an open notebook, trying to connect the fractal pattern of lines and curves to some memory from the Bofax days. You made note of the three chairs clustered before the whiteboard, one big ergonomic one, and two of those lowly task chairs with carpeted seats to remind the sitter that they're lucky to have any chair at all. And then you notice the whiteboard itself. Top left, in black marker traced with red, surrounded by a little wavy line box to stop anybody erasing it. L'âme ne poursuit que des chimères. And like that, sweet mercy, just like that, it was all suddenly real. <sighs> yes, les chimères, phantoms. So say you, at least, and so said you seventeen years ago. Out on the pent, the heat of an Aldergate July, the shade of the scholar's tree. You and Sammy, arguing the most correct and the most profound translation of the great man's last words. This you thought, and this you think, that when Monsieur Laplace lay on his deathbed, he waved away all man's strivings, all our grand designs, as nothing but an endless chase to grasp that which our hands can never hold, the pursuit of phantoms. Sammy wouldn't have it, she insisted, as she insisted on graffitiing textbooks and chalkboards and more than a few unoffending walls, that ours is a hunt for chimeras. Chimera. Chimeras. It makes a better metaphor, you'll give her that. And in those days... Five young fools working to summon forth a daemon. Your task was the untangling of the several separate threads from the mongrel skein. Not just to trap the chimera, but to unwind it from itself. Break it down into its roaring, bleating, hissing elements. Qualify. Quantify. Bind it with the shackles of understanding. Silly children building your miracle machine. You, silly child that you are, never quite got over the idea. And Sammy, silly child that she was, was trying again. <laughs> so ended the clue hunt. For now... Your prey still eluded you, but you'd found its den, and made note of the two names on the door. S.U. and G. Keller. Keller, there's glory for you, eh, self?
your mysterious note-writer warned you about a keller. You now learn that a keller is one of perhaps only two living humans who knew what Sammy was really doing here at Ortegate. <laughs> Not a bad day's work, eh? <sighs> Nearly midnight now. Your bones are begging for bed. You've earned a rest. But no, no, not yet. You can't afford a repeat of last night's dream drama, so you won't make last night's mistake. The little grey cells are still pinging like mad, and must be settled down before head and pillow meet. Find something dull to do. You could start unpacking Sir Reggie's tomb. Ought to do it sooner or later. Hmm. After that, you'll need a bath. A bath and a book. And perhaps a bit of cheese. And so to bed, eh? Quite. Well, then. A round of applause is in order, I think. Our hero in defiance of any reasonable expectation, really does appear to have accomplished something. Where professional competence failed, amateur exuberance has succeeded, with the help of a bit of insider information. Truly, the game is afoot. All our hero's got to do is follow it. Where will it lead him, do you suppose? Hmm... Judging by the state of these next few pages, these sticky, dusty, well-nigh illegible pages, it... Oh dear. It may not be anywhere very nice. We shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday at thealtergatepapers.com. Find the Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts as well, and spread the word, won't you? This may be my story, but I fear that it's likely to become everybody's problem. Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. Thank you for listening to Tuesday Terror right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, the Saturday Story Circle for kids and family alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network, where we listen and imagine together.